let's go. I'm a bulldog. So Jordan, All right, everybody. GemsTailDogNation.com. Uh, we are literally popping our papers here as we get together for another edition of Before the Hedges. Used to be called Wednesday Night Live here on Dog Nation. You see by the uh, headline scroll that uh, showed up on your smartphones a minute ago. Today's show is going to be about kind of how the NFL draft teaches us uh, to evaluate everything, to to kind of evaluate uh, what the NFL sees. It's kind of an unflinching, unforgiving eye where really you see the most important people in terms of the NFL are are the players that either throw the ball, possess the ball in every play. That's the quarterback. The players that protect the ball on every play. Uh, those would be the offense to protect the quarterback on every play. That would be the offensive tackles or the people that harass the quarterback on every play. That would be the defensive linemen, the defensive ends, and also a special type of player uh, that's kind of emerging in college football. Uh, we're going to get into our top targets today. We're going to take a look at who we kind of see are, are the most impressive targets that George is chasing right now that – also have a pretty good degree of mutual interest in the Bulldogs as well. Uh, that's going to be on our show. And I guess uh, the first thing I want to bring to mind is because uh, I mentioned two top targets that are five stars that the NFL draft teaches us, man, the NFL, that's what the big boys um, in the Sunday league are really looking for at the next level. And uh, those positions clearly to me are offensive tackle. Uh, obviously, the quarterback is something there, and you could even throw Brock Vandegrift in that in on this list as well as terms of a five star that sees their value enhanced by the by the 2020 NFL draft. But I'm thinking of another player, um, the tackle. You would obviously see at Marius Mims. That's the five star offensive tackle out of Blackley County in Cochran, Georgia, uh, six seven and a half, former tight end. All the reach, all the length in the world. I think he's the number two overall tackle in the country. Might be number three uh, on the latest re-rates of the composite. Uh, but there's another athlete, and you're going to see his worth kind of uh, explode, I guess, a little bit on the uh, 2020 top targets list. And that would be the name. Uh, that would be the name uh, James Williams. Uh, I've mentioned a lot on this program how, you know, Barrett Carter might be that guy that Cle the Clemson Tigers want to emulate or try to recruit as the next Isaiah Simmons. Folks, there's never going to be another Isaiah Simmons, but there are going to be a lot of college recruiters. There are going to be a lot of uh, pitches that are going to say, you're going to be the next this, you're going to be the next that, simply because young people want to see a track record of success and they want coaches to tell them, you can do that. You can be that guy in our scheme going forward. We can we can pop you in. You can play for us, and you can do kind of the same things that um, a big name like a Roquan Smith at Georgia in years past, but also an Isaiah Simmons. And for me, the player I see, uh, I've been catching some heat from a lot of my sources. I guess a lot of uh, folks in the know about week to week, they say, Jeff, you got James Williams a little too low. And they're right. Uh, and especially watching James Williams, watching his film. I had a great conversation recently with um, former Georgia defensive back Glenn Ford. Man, Glenn Ford thinks that uh, James Williams is the number one player in the country in this class because he can do so much. He's not really a safety, although he's rated as the nation's number one safety. He's not really a, uh, a outside linebacker. He's not really a... Uh, I can't even really see him as an offensive player, although he looks like a grown man in terms of how he plays the game. I think James Williams would make a great wide receiver if that's what he wanted to make his trade in the uh, in the in the in college football or himself in his football career. But you see James Williams, and I'm going to call him. It's kind of like the queen on the chessboard. And what I mean by that is James Williams can move in any direction. He's a guy that won't have to leave the field. He's a guy that could do a lot of things potentially for uh, Georgia uh, in the same way that Clemson did a lot of Clemson utilized um, Isaiah Williams. So Isaiah Simmons, excuse me, so splendidly across the last three or four seasons there uh, in the Atlantic coast conference. You see James Williams, the guy that's six foot four, he looks like a grown man among boys and He's a guy that really doesn't have to come off the field. If you want to look at a guy that could check a 
Eric Gilbert of the world, that would be James Williams. If you want to look at a guy that can come into the box and play run support when teams go tempo, uh, James Williams can do that. James Williams would be the guy that can drop in and probably give an outside linebacker look, maybe a lot like Lorenzo Carter did for Georgia back in the day for Kirby Smart's first real stout Georgia defense. You see a lot of versatility in James Williams where he could be a safety if you need that. He could be a star if you need that. He could be a guy that can lock down a tight end. And you know, he could go across the other side of the ball and probably be a playmaker at tight end, a playmaker at a wide receiver as well because he just has such an innate ability to go up and get the ball. So that's why you'll see in this week's uh, top targets list, and I'm kind of hinting here, you're going to see a rise in the stock there for James Williams. Another name to think about there is you – we mentioned Amarius Mims early at the top of our show. Well, Amarius is a guy that you see where Andrew Thomas went number four overall. And that just shows you what a, what a brilliant blindside protector and edge protector uh, in college football. In those three seasons of film, I think it was 41 starts for Andrew Thomas. It just goes to show you what a guy like that can do and how valued he would be by the NFL. So tonight we're going to we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm going to answer your programs. Obviously, we're going to try and format this show like we do every week. We're going to uh, that was kind of my opening thought about how Mary Smims and James Williams, to me, their value is enhanced by what we saw out of the 2020 NFL draft. Uh, we're going to get into the top targets. We're going to go through the commitment list as well for the University of Georgia for this class. And also we're going to uh, uh, take your questions. Of course, uh, we're going to take your questions Get some extended Q&A this week if you guys want to play it that way. And also, we're going to have another edition of our Dog Nation uh, before the Hedges six-pack as well. As always, our programming tonight is brought to you by the good folks at Kroger. Kroger and COVID-19, the coronavirus, Kroger is definitely rolling up their sleeves and going to work, trying to be a helping hand in their communities. And right now, Kroger has created a new emergency COVID-19 response fund. That's through the Kroger Company Zero Hunger, Zero Waste Foundation. And they're requesting customer donations at checkout during the month of April to this new emergency COVID-19 response fund. It's a call to action. Customers have the option to either round up their purchase to the nearest dollar amount, or they can select donations in the amount of $1, $5, or $10 at all of your check lanes. You see all the safety procedures in, in place there, and I know it's something on everybody's, everybody's soapbox right now. You see more and more masks out. Uh, I just kind of continue to reiterate. Um, we're going to get through all this together, and we're going to move on with our lives, and we're going to get back to whatever normal feels like right now. And you got to thank the folks at Kroger for the efforts that they're doing, trying to make sure um, as much as normal as possible as we can find in their shopping aisles, they're there every day, stocking the shelves, getting those trucks trying to deliver that to their customers each and every day. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I want to do now is I want to start our show. I'd like to start our show. Uh, first of all, how's everybody doing out there? Where are you guys checking in? What's for dinner tonight? How's everybody doing out there on Facebook? Did they, everybody like the draft? Uh, you got a guy that you think is you, you think you feel has the best fit in the draft. I'd love to hear it. My personal best fit in the draft is kind of the, the no-brainer. It's got to be Andrew Thomas, uh, media market, uh, the ability to play right away. He's got a dead eye on a starting job. He is built for this moment to come in and play in New York and protect Daniel Jones and clear the way for uh, uh, Saquon Barkley. If everybody wants to recall uh, that play against Auburn, everybody remember that play against Auburn, and I don't think that gets talked enough enough about uh, Andrew Thomas and his best play at the University of Georgia. That's where he blocked three dudes on that one single play. And you want to talk about living right, Let's go through everyone that uh, that Andrew Thomas has had to block for for at the college level. So freshman year, he had DeAndre Swift, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle. Uh, sophomore year, it was DeAndre Swift again, and then he also had uh, Elijah Holyfield, Brian Harrion. Pretty good, pretty good sporting trio right there of guys to block for. Um, James Cook also showed up in there as well. And then last year, he had another a near first-round pick in DeAndre Swift to block for. He had Zamir White, he had James Cook, he had Kenny McIntosh, and he had Brian Herring again. That's all well and good, but now he goes to the Sunday League and he gets to block for Saquon Barkley. So for him, uh, looking back there in the back, knowing if in the backfield, knowing if he does his job and he makes a play, uh, then he has a chance to see his guy score six points and get in that pay dirt. So obviously 
Uh, Andrew Thomas has been connected to a lot of big backs in his career, and he's going to have another one for several more seasons, probably a decade in uh, for the Giants in the National Football League. Looking outside my window right now, guys, I see rain coming down in Woodstock, Georgia. Not going to get into any sort of Glenn Burns act or anything else like that. But uh, if you're in Atlanta area, if you're in the Atlanta area, you're about to get kind of kind of misty and kind of wet out there. All right. Moving on to what we got right here. Let's bring up the commitment list right now. Everybody needs a refresh. Everybody needs to get that F5 on what's going on right now with the Georgia recruiting class. Right now, Georgia is the has seven commitments. I would expect that number to steadily rise in the uh, for the 2021 class. If you guys saw a story I just put up on Dog Nation, I took a minute. I kind of dug in the batter's box a little bit, and I put together what I saw was an overview of Georgia uh, in terms of the decommitment trend. Georgia recently, I think a big news last week across the nationwide recruiting industry for this cycle was the decommitment of Clemson five-star Corey Foreman. Uh, Corey Foreman, that was one of those that sent shockwaves throughout the throughout the country in college football because Clemson simply doesn't suffer decommitments. If you check out that story that's live on dognation.com, dating back to 2010, Clemson has suffered 11 total decommitments during that time for Dabo Sweeney and his Tigers. And it was unique to know that um, I believe six of those came in a two-year span between 2013 and 2014. And then after that, Clemson has kind of really only, I think Clemson's only had uh, two decommitments over the last four or five cycles. And that says something why, why Corey Foreman decommitted. And it brought to my mind's eye about, well, what's the things like there for Georgia in terms of decommitments? Um, what's the trend look like there for Georgia with decommitments? And then I see that uh, we got an overview of Kirby Smart's first class when a lot of the decommitments were simply Mark Rick recruits. Uh, there were three more decommitments in the 2017 class, and those guys were all Mark uh, Mark Rick recruits as well. But then we look gradually how Georgia's recruiting has changed from 2018, 2019, and 2020. We see a thinning of the herd. Georgia has opted to do a lot less with early commitments and taking that early commitment in state. And when the board gets fleshed out uh, during their senior seasons of a lot of these players, you see fewer and fewer decommitments. I think Georgia's program has matured to the point where you're not going to see a lot more decommitments uh, in the cycle right now. Um, so that's something to take a look at dognation.com. It's an overview of the decommitment trend for Georgia. Who were the biggest decommitments over the years for Kirby smarts Bulldogs? That's in there. There's a list that's where those guys were ranked. There's where they were from. And there's also stories like uh, guys that were one time committed to Georgia that wind up with Florida international or Georgia Southern um, Nebraska, uh, schools like that, uh, which kind of shows that Georgia, uh, in terms of its evaluations early for a lot of these guys, um, didn't kind of pan out with where, where the industry led these players to go. And in a lot of cases, when Georgia lost a commitment in each of those classes, they replaced it with a higher rated player at each spot. Um, I think when Georgia, when you look at their uh, 2021 commitments right now, they have seven commitments in the 2021 class. That currently ranks them at number 12 nationally uh, for the 2021 class. Uh, Georgia is number three in the SEC. That is behind uh, only uh, Florida and LSU right there uh, in terms of the 2020 recruiting class. Uh, Florida by Florida actually has 13 commitments in the uh, 2021 cycle. That's a lot. Georgia only has seven. The second school that's moved up uh, is Tennessee. Tennessee now has 13 commitments as well, including one five-star and three four-stars. Tennessee's doing a lot of good work lately picking up. They pulled out a five-star pass rusher out of Alabama. They recently picked up Kamar Wilcoxon as well. He was a native of the state of Georgia, but has been at ING Academy uh, since January. And uh, Wilcoxon, actually committed and decommitted two times from the Gators. Um, Georgia right now ranks third in the SEC, and LSU is actually fourth. Um, let's take a look. Uh, Michael is back there in our studio. Brian, Michael, can you bring up our 2021 commitment list? I want everybody to take a good look at that. It obviously starts with Brock Vandegrift. Uh, it's, about, it's about six foot th- three, 205 pounds. He's the nation's number two dual threat quarterback doing a lot of work behind the scenes for this 2021 class with 
names like Deion Colsey, uh, names like Mario Wilson, Williams, excuse me, and then also uh, Marius Mims at the same time. Uh, he's actually been talking a little bit to Brock Bowers as well. So you got that uh, somebody that's going to make an edit one day if the four-star tight end Brock Bowers ends up at Georgia. That would be the Brock-to-Brock connection for touchdowns uh, between the hedges for the University of Georgia. Um, number two, the second highest rated commitment in the class is Micah Morris. That's the uh, You guys got a chance to meet him a couple weeks back here on our Before the Hedges program. Uh, nation's number 11 OT is about 6'5", 325. He has the 420 bench press and the 4.75 GPA. Goodness, that's quite a combination for a tackle right there. You go down, you got David Daniel, uh, who I feel is going to be rated among the top safeties in the country uh, when all said and done. Lavoisier Carroll, the four-star running back at number 122 overall, Jonathan Jefferson, 6'4", 270. He's still rated as a defensive end, but he's going to be an interior player. He's going to have his hand on the ground for Georgia. Elijah Judy, who was our guest last week on Before the Hedges as well, we got to welcome in him and his family. And then three-star uh, Marlon Dean out of Elberton, Georgia as well, Elbert County uh, as well. Uh, those are your seven commitments. And now with that, some of take a look at those top targets. We're going to 13 this week. Uh, for the week of April the 29th, 2020. And our number 13 top target would be Nyland Green out of Newton High School, Covington, Georgia. He's a four-star cornerback. He's a guy that's going to take, a, take, a, take some time with his recruiting process, but he is going to uh, – I don't see him making any sort yes, of – last week on Before the Edges. I don't see him making any sort of quick and deliberate decision. I think Nyland Green's a guy that's going to wait things out. I think Georgia will be in a good spot with him when it's all said and done. Next up, you got Dylan Fairchild out of West Forsyth, out of coming Georgia, state championship wrestler, heavyweight champion. Went 47-0 and in Georgia's largest classification as a wrestler. Just a big, um, brute athlete. A lot of the guys I know in the wrestling circuit talk about Dylan Fairchild, and he may not be the most technically savvy wrestler, but he's just a large man strong, quick, agile human being. Um, he's able to overpower a lot of guys, even those technically proficient wrestlers. Uh, at number 11, we got Quentin Somerville out of Arizona. Suaro High School, that's in uh, uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, you keep looking at that list right there. You've got uh, number 10, uh, Dallas Turner. He's out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I know a lot of people have noticed some reports lately. It's always kind of been Alabama and Georgia. Those are the schools he visited during uh, the junior day uh, early visitation period in 2020 before everything got crazy. Uh, Dallas Turner, guys, you will remember him as the guy that we've written about on Dog Nation. He's a guy that's kind of like the chef, likes to cook a lot, likes to do a lot of things as well. Um, Terrence Ferguson out of Fort Valley, Georgia. That's Peach County. We've moved him up several spots this list. I believe he was around number 12 in last week's show. Uh, you see Dallas Turner right there as well. Um Mario Williams, that's a guy out of uh, Florida, top-rated wide receiver. I think he's number three or number four on most of the rankings there. Uh, Mario Williams moves up to uh, number – he stays at number eight overall right there. And number seven on our next slide right here. Hold on one second. Looks like I've got to make – you see what you see where I was talking to you? Live television, live streaming. I told you it was getting dark outside. Looks like uh, my natural light has uh, dimmed inside my office studio here. So what am I going to do? I'm going to do what anybody would. Uh, you got to turn the light on, man. How's that? Yeah, so how, how's that, everybody? We were, we're thinking on the swivel. We're uh, producing on the swivel right now. It looked a little dark in here. Uh, Dion Colsey, that's a young man out of Athens Academy. Notre Dame decommitment. A lot of people are projecting and popping up crystal balls right now for Dion Colsey. Certainly to me, it doesn't seem like he's going to make his decision anytime soon in terms of a public commitment. Uh, you see uh, Dion Colsey is a guy that's going to value his education a lot. And he did decommit from Notre Dame. The odd part about Deion Colsey is he decommitted hoping to be able to open up his recruitment. He had made his decision too soon, and he basically wanted to see what was out there. And about that time, the shroud of the coronavirus came on his recruitment. He's just been chilling at the house. It's kind of ironic there. 
Number six, you've got Smile Munden out of Paulding County. That's Dallas, Georgia, rated as an outside linebacker, as a five-star, doesn't do any camps. He's an inside linebacker if he ends up fitting into Georgia's system. Great sideline-to-sideline ability. I rave each week about his triple-jumping ability, how he can go uh, 48, 49 feet. Uh, He's looking to take all of his visits before he makes his decision, and I wouldn't look for him to make his decision until sometime after his senior football season. You guys noticed all the things, the positivity that's coming out early part of this week about um, Jerry Moorhead, the Georgia president, said that uh, they're making moves in phases to start the re-implementation or the re-energize of the Georgia campus. They're going to gradually bring students back. They've got a plan uh, where they're going to stagger a lot of people getting back on campus. But the the face-to-face learning is something that we're hearing that will take place uh, in August as well. Uh, moving on to our top targets right there, uh, we've got number f- we've got Donovan Edwards. That's the talented running back out of Michigan. To me, I think it's gonna eventually going to be a race between Georgia and Michigan, and I do expect Georgia to eventually win that race the way Donovan Edwards has been recruited by Dale McGee at Georgia, dating back to last cycle, certainly stands out. I know you hear the name Cody Brown a lot. You see a lot of that online chatter about Cody Brown at Parkview. For me, it certainly looks like when you look at all these players and who could bring the most juice to the Todd Munkin office, offense about making plays in space, making plays in the passing game, I just got to give the nod there to uh, Donovan Edwards right now. Um, Barrett Carter, you see him. He's there as well, the four-star. He's another guy that I put on the Dog Nation forum this week that I don't feel that uh, Barrett Carter – uh, is going to make his decision anytime soon. I think he's, he's always been a guy to me that wanted to take his visits. I know he wanted to take a, at least that visit up to Ohio State. He wanted to see a lot more of his schools before he was, he was never going to be in any rush to make his college decision. Uh, you've got Amarius Mims, the number three person on our list. And Amarius Mims was, all, was number two in last week's uh, edition. And there's no dig there on Amarius Mims at all. The reason why he's number three, and you see that down arrow next to his name, is because James Williams moved up quite a bit. He moved up from number five on this list uh, all the way up to number two because when you look at James Williams, what he can be in college football, I think James Williams can be George's version of Isaiah Simmons. This is a guy that can do a bit of everything, uh, can do everything on the football field, whether it's safety, coverage, run support, covering a tight end, um, handling the edge, coming off the edge in space, even taking on a lot of traditional outside linebacker roles. He's 6'4". He's already about 218. He looks like a grown man if you watch his film. He looks like a, a guy that's 21 years old out there playing with a bunch of 17- and 18-year-old kids. The physicality, the range, the way he flies around the football, uh, a very special football player. And a lot, I wouldn't argue with a lot of folks that think that James Williams might be the number one player in the country, especially for all the things he can do and all the ways he can help your football team. But even with that big jump in the stock for James Williams, I still have Tony Grimes out of Virginia Beach, Virginia, Princess Anne as the uh, number one player in our top targets uh, list for this week. Again, for another week, Tony Grimes is holding strong right now, even with a surge of four or five spots this week. Uh, from one James Williams out of South Florida. Uh, all right, guys, you got your uh, commitment board. You got your top t- top targets. And one of the things I want to call the attention to about uh, James Williams is there was a tweet over the last week. I don't know if we can bring it up, but you saw James Williams. Uh, he's visited Georgia a ton. He's got a top three of Georgia, Alabama, and Clemson. But he put this out there out here recently, and he basically put it out, when this break is over, I will be visiting Clemson. Now, folks, you can bet your bottom dollar that he's going to hear the phrase Isaiah Simmons. You can be our Isaiah Simmons. He's going to hear that from Clemson as well. And I wonder how that will play when Clemson is trying to recruit Barrett Carter in much the same vein as that guy that can be the the jack of all trades, the guy that can stay on field for all three downs, that can line up in a lot of positions for Carter, would be inside backer, perhaps an outside backer, a safety, a nickel corner, a kind of a star corner as well defensive back for a lot of those things that's what um two very versatile players right there and you saw how that was very interesting how uh, james williams put it out there that he would be visiting clemson as well um name to look out there for in the 2021 class and that first visit i think but very interesting when things come back to normal and things open back up to me that very first visit that a lot of these recruits take the one that they've been thinking about for all this time to 
move their decision forward after it's kind of been in quicksand for a little bit, or at least slow motion. I think those first few visits that recruits take once the uh, once the boundaries and once the campuses open up again will be very, very telling. One thing I want you guys to know about, uh, Ken Blankenship, thanks for hanging out. Thanks for being a part of this. Uh, you know, that's one thing as well. You know, Joel Moody, you brought up Scott Cochran. I'm working on something. I'm working on something. I'm always working on something. Like somebody said earlier, uh, told me on the Dog Nation forum that I kind of have a Dave Ramsey type emergency fund of stories for you guys. And I do. I've got something with some teeth to it that I'd like to write soon about Darnell Washington, about Nicobe Dean, about Darren Branch, uh, about a guy that I think is a, a hidden gem and one of the um, best kept secrets of Georgia's recruiting efforts that'll probably show up sooner rather than later. Uh, but one of the things I want to write about is like uh, way too early predictions for Georgia's 2020 recruiting class. And I think my way too early prediction that I'll kind of share, one of those I'll kind of share with you guys right now on this feed is the name Scott Cochran. That's the name that Joel Moody brought to, brought to our, our feed and our forum and our, uh, our stream tonight. I think Scott Cochran is going to make a major dividend with at least one recruit in the 2021 cycle. And by that, I mean, that's a guy that would have wound up at LSU or would have wound up at Alabama. I think that's a guy, Scott Cochran, just the reputation, what he's like, what he's like as a recruiter. When Georgia finally gets Scott Cochran on the recruiting trail, he could be the type of guy that could be a major piece in Georgia bringing in a perhaps a Mason Smith, maybe a Corey Foreman, uh, players, uh, players like that, maybe even a Lee Hunter currently committed to Auburn as well. I think Scott Cochran is going to have a name or two that show up uh, in this 2020 recruiting cycle that start moving him up the list in terms of the food chain of Georgia's top recruiters. You know, you got Kirby Smart up there. You got Dale McGee up there. I think Matt Luke is working his way up there. Uh, you got Glenn Schumann. You got um, Dan Lanning as well. So be interesting to see how quickly uh, Scott Cochran can make his move in terms of becoming one of the alpha recruiters on the Georgia staff. One thing I want to bring to mind for you guys, everybody out there, is uh, – one thing we're doing on the Dog Nation Forum, first of all, this is a true serum question for all of you guys. I want you, I want some engagement, and I'm going to pop my papers while you guys think about this so I can sound like a news anchor. Uh, I want each of you to say uh, yes, no, or thinking about it, and that's your answers, A, B, or C. And I want you to tell me on this forum, on this, on this stream tonight, are you a member of the Dog Nation Forum? Yes, no, thinking about it. And if if why you're not a member of the Dog Nation Forum, let me hear it. Uh, message boards, you're like, hey, man, there's no, no such thing as a global pandemic going on right now that would give me all the time in the day to get on a message board and to learn some things about Georgia recruiting. We've got feeds. We've got uh, we've got threads on the Dog Nation Forum that have eclipsed almost two million views. Um, where we drip, we drip some of that really good information about what's going on with the 2020 recruiting, 2021 recruiting cycle. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to, I'm going to slow play this for a little bit. And then you sooner or later, you're going to see stories about it and tweets about it. But, um, beginning, I think when my appearance on dog nation daily, the other night, uh, on the other morning, excuse me, with Brandon Adams, uh, there's a thing you do when you eventually choose to sign up for the forum where we ask for a paragraph about why you want to join the Dog Nation Forum or why you think you'd be a good fit with the Dog Nation Forum. And folks, I'm not asking for a Gettysburg address, but if you can be clever and you can come with it, uh, we're going to give away at least one of those Dog Nation, uh, maybe Dog Nation Forum appreciation swag boxes. You might get one of these polo shirts right here. You might get some other goodies like paraphernalia. It's funny, I was looking through my, uh, looking through my closet in my office the other day and I actually found something. Um, let me let me find something. Let me show you something right real quick. You guys are like, man, Jeff's on the move today. All right, guys, you guys are like Jeff's on the move today. What's he doing? Jeff's going. Jeff's leaving. We're going we're gonna to have some tempo to the show today, but I bring you, my friends, this is a Starbucks coffee cup. And I'm not a pack rat. I'm not a hoarder. I'm not a sentimentalist by and large. But, but 
This is no ordinary coffee cup. In there, my friends, you know what that is? Take a good look at that. You know what that is? I want you to give me some guesses on what that is right there. That right there, my friends, is some is some Georgia history right there. Uh, take a look at that. Um, take a look at that right there. That right there, folks, if you got a guess, and let me show you one more time. You're like, what is that? Paper mache? What is that? Something from somebody's wedding? Folks, right there inside this cup, that is the confetti that fell down in Pasadena, California, the night Georgia beat Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl, which some people have said is the finest moment in Georgia uh, football history so far since. We voted on it. Everybody voted on it. The finest moment in Bulldog history since Kirby Smart became the coach of the Georgia Bulldogs. I just scooped that up. My buddy Brandon Adams was uh, feeling 18 types away. He wanted to kiss everybody in sight. He was posing with roses in his mouth. Uh, everybody was happy. Everybody's taking pictures. It was like an it's a wonderful life for a lot of folks there that follow and cover the George program. Um, but for an objective reporter like myself, all I decided to do was capture some confetti. Um, I digress. The point is, if you join the forum, if you sign up for the Dog Nation forum, the person that's got the wittiest doesn't have to be the longest. I'm not looking for, you know, the preamble to the Constitution or anything like that. I'm not looking for a Stephen King novel or anything else like that. But the person with the best, uh, the best kind of reason why for joining the Dog Nation forum, you're going to get a box of good stuff. And that could be a polo. That could be coasters. That could be glassware. Uh, that could be a, one of those red shirts, black shirts. It could be a Dog Nation hat. I'm going to take care of you uh, if you decide to give the Dog Nation Forum a try. Um, so that's that's that. And if you guys are thinking about the forum, the reason why you hadn't joined, you know, there's a lot of people. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to. You know, post every day, post every three days. A lot of people just show up and they just. Because you got to log in, you don't have to pay for anything. There's no fee or whatever. But uh, if you sign up. You create a username, then uh, a free message board with a lot of good Georgia football information and a lot of good Georgia recruiting information will show up for free 99 every month on your uh, credit card statement. Um, and you give us, just give it a try. Let me know what you think. A lot of folks out there, a lot of folks out there have enjoyed being a part of the Dog Nation Forum, to say the least. <laughs> Randy Hall's got a good point right there. He said Randy Hall has it is called as Dog Fetty uh, from the next Georgia win. Uh, now, I tell you what, Jermaine King, if that was confetti from the 1980 National Championship, that'd be pretty amazing because I would have collected that when I was three years old or something like that. And they wouldn't have had, probably wouldn't have had Starbucks on Bourbon Street that night. Probably wouldn't have survived it uh, this long. So anyway, guys, uh, you got some questions right now before we get into our six pack, I'm going to, I'm going to take some time. You got a question on the feed. Let me know. Uh, you got a question you want to hit me up with. What do I think's going on? What's going on? I'll be sure to, uh, hang out and see what we can do. What's everybody else think about there? Is everybody feeling good about some of these glimmers of hope in terms of College football coming back. Will it be restored? Will it come back? Let me know what you think about that. Uh, does everybody still think that the, the Virginia game inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium will take place as scheduled? Do you think there will be a slight delay? Um, got Facebook rolling along. Uh, Randy Hall, you want to know about uh, – that would be Noah Josie, 3.7 GPA. A lot of crystal ball traffic for him right there. To me, he's an ideal type Matt Luke type recruit. Uh, he is definitely a, a guard type. Uh, I like the way he works up to the second level. He's got some pretty good film. Um, Brentwood Academy is one of the most prestigious uh, football programs in the state of Tennessee. That's where uh, the best coaches go. To, when that job comes open, the best coaches go there to try and fill that program. Uh Good tape. Noah Josie's got really good tape. To me, he's one of those adaptable linemen where uh, I think he would be an ideal a guard-type guard fit in the Georgia offense. And, and let's say this. Everybody's going to start wondering. I'll go ahead and answer the obvious question. I don't think if Noah Josie commits to Georgia, I don't think that does anything to Dylan Fairchild, Terrence Ferguson, uh, Micah Morris, and Amarius Mims at all. 
Uh, Christopher White wants to know, did Blaylock? Uh, yeah, Bobby Rouse, you're right. There's lots of money at Brentwood Academy. Uh, Blaylock did not stay in the Athens area for, uh, for physical therapy. He's been working in the Atlanta area. Uh, Tom Lavelle asked a good question. Do I think there will be still be summer camps like seven on seven? That's where the players separate themselves. I don't think there will be summer camps in terms of on campus. Uh, a lot of team camps that used to take place. I just think that that is, I just don't think the timeline will be there. Uh, for a lot of that, for camps to take place, especially at a place like Georgia. I think a lot of outfits will try to get their seven-on-sevens going and to try to have something going on. But to me, especially for the month of May, I think that would be a very much a caution flag for everything taking place. And I, I hate to say this, but you know, to me, uh, one of the things that I just wonder if, a, if an event like the opening will ever take place anymore because they simply won't have the structure and the ability to uh, invite a lot of players without their regional tours unless they just want to start inviting guys off tape, which I guess certainly they can do that. Uh, the one thing it will take away from the opening is those guys that just show up and finally separate themselves. And you also also won't get to see a lot of those 2022 kids start making their strides uh, and get become a part of the class at the same time. Um, good question so far. Randy Hall says we will have a season. Uh, let me make sure I can get it. Uh, you guys had Taffy. You guys had Rose Bowl, confetti from the championship game, confetti. Uh, lots of people had the uh, dog fetti thought right there. Jarvis had a good question, sir. The update on the Blaylock injuries. I think, I think Dominic's a guy that, um, what was he, dan- I, I think I saw a TikTok where he was dancing like two months outside of the injury. He's just going to be one of those guys that heals very fast. Now, whether he's going to have that start-stop ability that made him special, I think the thing that made Dominic Blaylock special was his ability to come in and out of breaks. Um, that was really what separated him from a lot of very good All-American type receiver. And I want to know what's going to be back there for Dominic Blaylock in terms of that. Good question. Let me check on the good folks at YouTube. What's going on? Uh, H Rooster, H-E Double Hockey Sticks Rooster says there will be delays, unfortunately. Bubby Dean says if the Georgia-Virginia game takes place at the Dome, uh, there will be no fans here. Uh, Bubby Dean was also looking forward to the trip to Tuscaloosa in September. Might just take place in October. Um <laughs> Uh, Silent Chaos. Uh, If you have any trouble, man, why don't you try to, uh, if you go to my Twitter account, Silent Chaos, you'll see my uh, AJC Gmail address. Send me a, uh, send me an email and I'll see what we can do to get you signed up, man. Anybody that uh, needs help getting signed up, I'll try to do that. Uh, Wally Smith is giving me that. Yeah. You see the light, the light came on above myself as well. Wally, I decided to turn the light on there as well. Um, which junior am I expecting to make a big stride from each side of the ball? Talking about Georgia Bulldog juniors. Uh, the big strides I would see would be Devontae Wyatt in terms of the defensive line. Um, the other side of the ball, Jamari Salyer comes to mind pretty clearly is the guys that will uh, make a surge forward in, in their uh in their in the next season, Enrique Marulo, how are you? Top of the evening to you, SCC Dog, Sea Dog West. What's going on? I hope you guys are having fun, enjoying your uh, quarantine time right now. Uh, <laughs> hope everybody's doing great. Uh, yeah, those virtual stores, virtual, uh, virtual, <laughs> virtual tours is what everybody's doing right now. Uh, going around campus, Colby Curry. I like this uh, man after some entertainment value here on the feed. If you had a Vol fan bet you $100, they would have the higher recruiting class in 2021. Colby, I would, you know, not that I'm a betting man, and for sports entertainment purposes only, my advice to you would be to see if you, you can get in for uh, a little bit more cheddar than just $100 because that that's a bet uh, you're going to win uh, an awful lot of times. Um Hugh Nash, man. Hey, what's up? Martin Clark from Peoria. How how are you guys doing today? Uh, Adrian Hill bringing up the point of Adam Anderson coming back with with 15 pounds added to his frame. That would definitely be something as well. 
Bobby Riles has a question. Will Pickens be the best receiver in Georgia history by the time he leaves? I don't think so. I just have, uh, especially in terms of production, I think he might eclipse a lot of Terrence Edwards' production. But uh, let's remember, folks, A.J. Green was awfully special during his time in Athens. That's one of the things uh, – Jermaine King King also dropped some knowledge on her feed tonight. He says he works at Georgia. Uh, Just had a meeting today about slowly reopening in the fall, so it's definitely possible. Uh, There's a meeting about that that will happen in mid-May. I think everybody just keeps moving things forward two weeks. Uh, Hear a lot of of people talking about how everybody everybody just moves it all back two weeks at a time, two weeks at a time buddy of mine said, man, he's just getting bled to death uh, two weeks at a time with all these stalls. Um, Clay Dykes, I think this will be a great recruiting class for the University of Georgia. My stock answer for the rest of the time, as long as Kirby Smart is the head coach at Georgia, uh, would be that I see Georgia as a top three recruiting class, kind of like the way the Azaleas come up in Augusta every March, every early April. That's where you're going to see Georgia up on the top three. Uh, recruiting-wise, years and years and years to come. Uh, Brian Marcoulier has a question. What do you, I think, will be the Georgia's number two receiver to take the pressure off of Pickens from getting double-teamed this fall? Uh, The hopeful answer, the the answer that Georgia fans hope to see is they would love to see Demetrius Robertson become that guy. Uh, I think there's some candidates for that, though. I would think Georgia would be well-served to to have a way where their top four receivers – Maybe Pickens has 1,200, 1,300 yards. Robinson has 900. Burton has 800. And then Rosamy has 700. I think that's what Georgia fans would love to see. I want you guys to also not forget the name Kyrus Jackson. He's another guy that I think this is going to be the year. I think Georgia's going to get some really good production out of either Kyrus Jackson or Demetrius Robertson this year. One thing for you guys to, you know, a lot of folks, we do our, we try to do our best in terms of informing you about what these young people can actually do. But you got to remember, you got to be a special young person like Blaylock and Pickens were last year in order to leapfrog a lot of these guys that have been in the system, been in college football, been practicing, understand the speed of the game. I think the, uh, I think the hidden edge for a lot of these young guys is there's no spring practice and then there's a transition to a new system as well. So everybody's going to be able to try to plug and play and adapt really fast. And when you have really talented guys like Arian Smith, um, speed, 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 speed. But you also have guys like Marcus Rosamy and Jermaine Burton. Those guys are rated that highly for a reason. They were rated a lot higher than even you know big names like Matt Landers, uh, Tommy Bush, Kyrus Jackson, all those guys, um, all those guys. Uh, were when they were also being recruited as uh, young people as well. I think Blaylock also needs to be in that list as well, specifically if he can come back with sort of like a Wolverine healing factor in terms of healing himself up really fast. Uh, If I'm going to use a uh, comic book science fiction reference, I guess I should use Deadpool or Wolverine. Your mileage may vary with either one of those. Um, Mark Thompson has a question. Uh, who do I think will be the premier backs this year? Zamir White and Cook or Milton Eclipse Cook? I think um, I think it's going to be different. I think I think James Cook is going to be a guy that I can see him having 600 yards rushing and 600 yards receiving. I can see uh, Zamir White, folks, hopefully – for Georgia to have the best possible season, Zamir might would have to be the guy that goes over the thousand yard mark and has a tremendous gangbusters year for Georgia. Everybody wants to see that, so then he can hop to the NFL after one really strong year um, at Georgia. And then I, I do think Milton is lurking there as a, as a name to watch as well, and also Kenny McIntosh. And once we break this down, I want I want every one of you guys to, to honestly look look yourselves in the mirror, look at yourselves in the screen, and answer this question. If Zamir White plays well, Cook plays well, McIntosh and Milton also bring things to the table as well. If you ask me, those four, would you rather have those four or would you rather have Swift, Harrion, White, and Cook from the year before? It's kind of a almost an apples to apples because if, if Cook and White are a lot better, then you're already half the way there to being a better, better group 
I think the one thing folks are going to wonder about is, is, is there going to be a DeAndre Swift in the mix in the 2020 Georgia backfield? I don't think that's going to be the case. But collectively, I think those four guys, if they all get to the level where they play near the peak of their ability, I think the running back room could be just as good or better uh, than the year was before. All right, guys, I promise you, uh, as the rain continues to fall here in Cherokee County, Woodstock, Georgia, I promised each of you guys that we were going to do another six-pack. Crack open your six-pack while I crack open a six-pack as well. Uh, again, I got to remind you that our uh, Before the Hedges program tonight is brought to you by uh, Kroger. Uh, Kroger is doing a special thing right now for COVID-19 relief. When you go and make your purchases at Kroger, you have the ability to round up your total or you can um, specify a $1, $5, or $10 donation to the COVID-19 uh, relief fund. That's a special response fund by the Kroger Company, this Zero Hunger, Zero Waste Foundation. They have created a COVID-19 response fund. That is through uh, the end of April. I uh, got a six-pack for you. And folks, we always try to theme these up and dial these up right now. Um, Uh, Adrian Hill. See, that's what I see your comment there. That's the point I was making. The group better without Smith, if you put it like that, because we would be so much harder to game plan against. I think the fact that uh, Munkin would be employing those chess pieces on the board would also uh, have a lot to do with that as well. Uh, we're talking Georgia draft picks tonight. We're talking Georgia history in the NFL draft. And I want to know how good you guys are in six packs. So you guys get your two for sixes. Your three for sixes, your four for sixes ready right now. Um, show some uh, show some gumption. Show some wherewithal about each of yourselves. I want every one of you guys to call your shots before we get to our six-pack. Let me know what you think, uh, what you think you're going to go before we get started. Our category is NFL Draft, uh, Georgia history in the NFL Draft. Uh, and with that, uh, we will get things going. Uh, I want to know, check in one more time with YouTube. How's YouTube? Uh, you guys all ready as well? Yannick Kazadi has uh, James Cook going crazy in this new offense. Wally Smith just hopes there's football. Uh, Bank Six is from New Mexico. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, everybody knows that Matthew Stafford the quarterback in the 2019 NFL draft. Uh, Matthew Stafford was the highest uh, quarterback selection ever for Georgia in the NFL draft. Now I want you to tell me, uh, who do you think the highest drafted Georgia quarterback was of all time outside of Matthew Stafford? Uh, I'm going to give you a few names that I want you guys to weigh in and tell me which one do you think was the highest rated uh, quarterback, Georgia quarterback of all time, excuse me, the highest drafted Georgia quarterback of all time. Uh, got, got a multiple choice. A, we don't have slides ready, so you guys are going to have to play along with Jeff the old school way. A, uh, first answer would be Quincy Carter. B, second answer would be David Green. Uh, C, the third answer would be Eric Zier. And D, the fourth answer would be Aaron Murray. Uh, again, our question is, who do you think, who is the highest drafted Georgia quarterback of all time outside of Matthew Stafford. A lot of guesses, a lot of names. I see somebody ha had a guess there for, uh, had a guess there for Fran Tarkington. Uh, And I'm going to make this the modern era because a lot of the data that goes back has guys as a second round pick. Um, just for reference, there's a second round pick um, on the database I'm looking right now, way back in 1953. That's the late, great Zeke Bretkowski uh, from the Chicago Bears. But he is only listed as a second round pick. Um, there's no designation in terms of what he went overall. Uh, Fran Tarkington was actually a third round pick, but way back in 1961 there were probably only like 20 NFL teams at that time uh you keep going on the list you see names like Larry Rakestraw everybody remembers Larry Rakestraw I bet um 
have to go back a little bit though for that's one of those all-time guys for the Georgia name team as well but uh, Matt Robinson went in the ninth round a lot of guys from back in the day uh, Wayne Johnson of all of all people remember that 86 Georgia Auburn game with the fire hoses Wayne Johnson was actually an 11th round draft pick uh, back in the day. Uh, but again, our question is, let me see what everybody in Facebook's populating with the answer. Highest drafted Georgia quarterback of all time. That would be in the non Matt Stafford category. Uh, lots of people are weighing in. Xavier Brown's got his guess. Gabe Garrett's got his guess. Um, seeing some Quincy Carter's coming in through here. Correct answer, guys, uh, is Quincy Carter. He went in the second round. He went number uh, 53 overall. Um, that's ahead of guys like um, that's ahead of guys like uh, David Green went uh, 85 overall. Eric Zier went 84 overall, and Aaron Murray went 163 overall. So highest drafted non-quarterback. Um, our next question is going to be the highest drafted lineman of all time at the University of Georgia. This is a tough one here. Um, uh, first off, you've got Jonathan Sullivan, the great defensive tackle during the uh, 2000s. Uh, you've also got Richard Seymour. Now, this is highest drafted lineman of all time. It could be offensive line or defensive line. Um, you've got uh, A is Jonathan Sullivan, B is Richard Seymour, C is Marcus Stroud, or D would be Andrew Thomas, the recently selected Andrew Thomas. How are you guys feeling about all that one? Uh Getting your questions in, trying to make sure Facebook doesn't lock up, and my Facebook has locked up, locked, locked up on my monitor. Um, answers again: highest drafted lineman of all time for Georgia, uh, offensive lineman, defensive lineman. A. Jonathan Sullivan. B. Richard Seymour. D. Marcus Stroud. Or C. Andrew Thomas. You guys want to sound smart? Jonathan Jonathan Sullivan was picked by the Saints. Richard Seymour was picked by the Patriots. Marcus Stroud was picked by the Jaguars or Andrew Thomas picked recently for the G-Men, uh, the New York Giants. The correct answer there is Andrew Thomas. He went number four overall. So if you said, if you named Andrew Thomas, you might have read that recent uh, column I wrote about why through five years of covering Andrew Thomas, I think he is going to absolutely kill it and the Big Apple. And he was made for this big, made for that big stage. Uh so where is everybody at right now? You guys two for two. You guys one for one. You guys zero oh for two. Let me know how you're going. Uh, third question. We got to talk about draft. We got to talk about the signature position at the University of Georgia. I want you guys to tell me who was the highest drafted running back all time in the University of Georgia football history. There are three names I will ask you guys to consider. Um, number one is Garrison Hurst. Um, that would be A. B would be Todd Gurley or C would be Lumberton, North Carolina's own Tim, North, Lumberton, North Carolina's own Tim Worley. Who is the highest drafted running back of all time from the University of Georgia? So everybody get your answers in right there. Again, highest drafted running back of all time, A, Garrison Hurst, uh, B, Todd Gurley, or C, Todd Worley. Uh, the correct answer there, uh, drum roll, please. Garrison Hurst went number three overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. That was after his 1992 brilliant uh, third overall, I think third place finish in the uh, Heisman Trophy voting uh, for uh, – the 1993, I think Gino Toretta won that thing. Garrison Hurst finished third. Uh, he finished third over. He was drafted third overall the following year by the Cincinnati Bengals. Garrison had a year, folks. That was a year where he went for, I believe, 21 touchdowns, which was a, at that time an SEC record. Made a lot of plays in the, on that talented 1992 team. Even had a medical where it came back and he was uh, 
I think he was picked by the Cardinals, and he had a medical that looked at his knee. He didn't have any cartilage in his knee. It didn't matter. He went third overall. Next one. Uh, this is going to, again, here's a clarifier. We're removing A.J. Green from this category. Uh, outside of A.J. Green, I want you to tell me who's the highest drafted receiver in Georgia Bulldogs football history. The highest drafted receiver in Georgia Bulldogs football history. Um, A, we've got Miko Hardman, who went um, in the 2019 NFL draft. Uh, B, Chris Conley. Remember, his, remember that name? He made the great Star Wars video on campus with Todd Gurley. Uh, C would be Muhammad Massaquai. Uh, he was selected by the Cleveland Browns after that great 2007 season in Athens, 2008 season in Athens. Uh, D is Reggie Brown. Everybody remembers Reggie Brown, how great Reggie Brown was back in the day. Uh, he was selected very high in the NFL draft as well out of Carrollton, Georgia, I believe. Or uh, the final answer is E, A, B, C, D, E, uh, Lindsey Scott, who was the highest drafted non-A.J. Green receiver in Georgia Bulldogs football history. That, my friends, was the sound of my laptop uh, rebooting. Uh, hate that. Uh, and then you got to restore Chrome. Uh, you got all this stuff going on. It's raining outside in uh, beautiful metro Atlanta as well. hope the weather's a little bit better with you guys right now. What's everybody having for dinner? Uh, I'd like to know that as well. Uh Next six-pack question. This is our fourth one. Highest drafted non-AJ Green receiver in UJ, his, UJ history. Let's roll through them again one more time. Nico Hardman, Chris Conley, Muhammad Massaquai, Reggie Brown, or Lindsey Scott. The correct answer here, my friends, would be the final answer I gave you. He was selected by the New Orleans Saints. He went number 14 overall uh, in the 19. 19- 81 NFL draft. That would be Lindsey Scott. Run, Lindsey, run, Lindsey. Uh, Lindsey was the number 14 overall pick. So you got to think about maybe George Pickens and his trajectory. Is he going to go any higher than number four overall? Probably not. Very hard for a receiver to do that. But he might go higher than 14 overall in terms of Lindsey Scott. That's where he's at. Two more questions left. Um, two more questions left in our six pack trivia. Um, let me make sure I get everything logged in here as well. Got a working man's type show tonight. Turning on lights, moving around, going to get some confetti, uh, raining outside. Uh, got a working man's show here tonight uh, on before the hedges. Um, who is the highest drafted uh, defensive player of all time at the University of Georgia? Now, that's a good one, folks. Highest drafted defensive player of all time at the University of Georgia. Um, first question, first option A right there is we got Roquan Smith. Uh, B is Jonathan Sullivan. We mentioned him earlier in another category. Uh, C is Richard Seymour. Or D is Champ Bailey. Champ Bailey. Uh, all those guys were first-round picks. All those guys were top ten picks. I want you to tell me who is your guess for the highest-rated, highest-drafted defensive player in Georgia Bulldogs football history. Again, uh, your answer is there. Linebacker Roquan Smith. Everybody knows Quan. Uh, defensive tackle, Jonathan Sullivan, defensive end, defensive tackle, Richard Seymour, such a tremendous inside force in the NFL, or D, Champ Bailey. Um, what do you guys have as your correct answer there? Good questions. Okay, I'm back. Uh, YouTube, I'm going to take care of you guys first because everybody says YouTube doesn't get enough love. Uh, Silent Chaos is eating uh, Cajun Andouille sausage, red potatoes, green beans, and mushrooms, instant pot style. Tony Griffith gives a shout out. Was uh, Tony Griffin gives a shout out to Run Lindsay Run as well. Bubby Dean, props to you, Bubby. You remembered about uh, Lindsay Scott as well. Everything going great right there. 
Uh, correct answer. Uh, highest rated drafted a defensive player all time in Georgia Bulldogs history. I would accept either uh, either Jonathan Sullivan or Richard Seymour. Both of those guys went number six overall in their respective NFL drafts. Um, Sullivan went six to the Saints. Seymour went six to the Patriots back when the Patriots stunk. Uh, have to go back a long way for that one. Champ Bailey actually went number seven overall to the Washington Redskins. Roquan Smith went number eight overall. Uh, thanks, Bank Six. I appreciate it. I always try to topical, topicalize some of the things that are going on right here. Uh, thank you, uh, UGA boy. Um, <laughs> tell you what, here's the life of a dad. You guys want to know what this is like. I'm currently broadcasting live. I've got uh, running a trivia contest. I'm looking at Facebook. I'm looking at... Uh, I'm looking at Facebook and YouTube, and I've got my kids blowing me up for – I've got them on screen time limits with Xbox, Xbox Live, and they're basically spamming me about they want some more time. I mean, I've only been doing these things Wednesday nights, every night that they could possibly remember uh, as well. But uh, that's what we're going on right here. Last question uh, in our draft-related type stuff is um, – Last question that I draft related type stuff is we've got um, uh, we wrote about Andrew Thomas and we wrote about Andrew Thomas being uh, at nowhere. You know, he was the sixth highest tied for the sixth highest um, selection of all time in Georgia Bulldogs football history. Um, but there were there were four Bulldogs that went number one overall at one point in time of their respective drafts. Four Bulldogs. And one of them's pretty easy. But I want you to give me uh, any two Bulldogs that you can pull out of your trivia hat, pull out of the back of your brain, pull out when you're trying to think about something else besides that uh, sausage and Cajun recipe that uh, was just shared from us by Silent Chaos, that Cajun sauces, the red potatoes, green beans, and mushrooms. Big mushrooms fan. Um, anyway. If you get your mind off that, you can focus on the ta a task at hand. Uh, any one, give me, give me any two of the four Georgia Bulldogs that went number one overall as the number one overall pick in an NFL draft. Josh Harris renders in his question on uh, on YouTube says Stafford and Tarkington. Josh, you do not have a completely correct answer there. See what's going on with Facebook. First and foremost, guys, before we wrap up the show tonight, I do want to thank you guys for joining me tonight. Lots of things to do, lots of shows to do. You guys be, could be watching Extraction right now on Netflix. You guys could be uh, watching The Last Dance. You could be you could be outside playing golf or tennis or working on your uh, chipping and putting in your backyard. Uh, but you can be in a lot of places right now. And for almost five years now, guys, I'm really thankful that uh, you guys take the time to remember Wednesday nights and know that might mean something to dog nation and our content plan. And I thank you guys for being able to join us again tonight. Um, our last question, on our six pack trivia as we finish off our six pack is I wanted you guys to tell me, uh, the names of any two Georgia Bulldogs that were picked number one overall in the NFL draft. And, uh, Four names would supply here, and I know one of them might seem pretty obvious, but uh, any four, give me any two of those Bulldogs that went number one overall in the NFL draft. Uh, some names that would apply if you guys got it right. Uh, give yourself one of those Tiger Woods fist pumps as you go around your living room or you go back into the kitchen for some dinner or for another six-pack of your very own. If you would have named Harry Babcock, an offensive end by the San Francisco 49ers, uh, Matthew Stafford from the Detroit Lions back in the days when number one picks got $50 million contracts, uh, Charlie Trippi, uh, he went number one overall, and also Frankie Sinkwich, who went number one overall as well. You guys, if we ever come across a trivia question where I tell you to name me the best backfield in Georgia football history, Man, you, I know everybody's going to say Sony and Nick because that's what everybody thinks in the athletic ability. you got to remember, though, Frankie Sink, which was a Heisman Trophy winner, and he went number one overall in the draft. And then also his running mate, Charlie Trippy, those two guys played together. Um, he also went number one overall in the draft. That's going to be very hard to replicate 
when we look at all-time Georgia Bulldogs and greatness in terms of the running back position at the University of Georgia. Those guys got their jerseys retired back when Georgia still used to do something like that. You know, guys, Georgia does the circle of honor now where they don't retire jerseys. Herschel got his jersey retired, though. Um, if there was one jersey, I can give you one vote for one jersey that's not retired yet at the University of Georgia that should be retired. I'd like to know what you guys think. So you guys weigh in on that before we take off. Uh, let me know who you think. If it, Georgia opened up the retiring jersey business for just one more <laughs> for just one more retired jersey at the University of Georgia. Who do you think should get that honor and that distinction? <laughs> Clay Dykes are pretty funny, man. Uh, uh, one for six, you think Brandon Adams hacked the answers. Uh, Mark Thompson. You know, uh, Sherelle Skelton, I like that question. Uh, answer right there i think you're trying to say i think you're trying to say champ bailey i'd love that answer you know the funny thing i was talking to somebody the other day about numbers and jerseys is folks you know like keely ringo what number is he going to wear is he going to wear number five you know these single digit numbers all these players uh want to come in and they want to look so clean and awesome with their great with their great number pick um folks you got to remember that champ bailey the all-time greatest defensive back in georgia football history he got to Georgia his first year. He wore number 42. The champ wore number 42. Everybody remembers those highlights from his freshman year. A tech game really was a game where he had a really great game late in his freshman year. Uh, he wore 42. Champ Bailey wore 42. And then he moved on to number four as well. But to me, that's a guy. Uh, you know, you, you catch number four, you could catch a little, a lot of great players at the University of Georgia as well. But uh, very interesting. I think 47 would be a number folks might think about there because 47 wouldn't really be a, be a really desired number anymore. And David Pollock was a three-time All-American. Uh, you would think about the number eight there for A.J. Green. Number 11 is going to have some sterling qualities to it as well because you're going to combine everything Jake Fromm did with what Aaron Murray did. That would be a very deserving selection there as well. But, you know, number 10, if you retire that one, that would be Thomas Davis and that would be Eric Zier. Uh, number 27, that would also garner some votes there as well uh, in terms of a guy like Nick Chubb, who sits number two overall on the Georgia rushing records and all those histories. And I think, you know, barring what Andrew Thomas would do uh, in the NFL, you know, man, that's a guy that you number 71 wouldn't be a bad name to at least include in the discussion there as well. Um, Joel Moody wants some more of those. How about them groceries cards again as well for uh trivia and everything else there all right guys this is jeff Sintel, dognation.com want to say thanks to all you guys for joining us hopefully some of our programming that we're doing more and more of every every night now can provide some sense of entertainment value or some content content drip to everybody out there as well uh, i know if i can speak for all of us at our team here that we absolutely love what we do we have the ability to cover this fine football program and also uh, try to do our jobs as best as we can too, to bring you guys some of the things that you guys want to know because you guys do have an insatiable appetite for Georgia football and Georgia football and Georgia university of Georgia athletics content. And that's the mission that we try to uphold to every day. Um, you guys see Connor Riley on this feed. You see uh, Mike Griffith on this feed and you guys are used to seeing the bearded one now on this feed as well. And from all of us, we thank each and every one of you for joining us on all of our Dog Nation programs. Have yourself a great night. Uh, stay safe out there. Stay together out there. And we'll look forward to uh, seeing you guys again on the pages of dognation.com. Take it easy. Take it easy, everybody. Have some fun tonight. Let's go. I'm a bulldog. So Georgia, who won't pick it? I love the family atmosphere and the way they handle business. Education is important. Trying to reach the next level. I want the best in life. I never settle.